Welcome to the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Of course, there aren't really any normal people, but every person has a spirituality, whether plumbers or politicians, firefighters or farmers, entrepreneurs or entertainers. I'm Matthew Bruff, pastor and author, bringing you tips, guidance, and practical advice for how to live out and keep the life in your relationship with God. You can find show notes, books, and more at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. Welcome to episode 17 of the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Thanks for listening today. We have a fantastic interview today with Kelly Edmiston. And Kelly is the student minister at First Colony Church of Christ in Sugarland, Texas. And this is a fantastic conversation that we had. It was such a pleasure to talk to her. And um, something that was kind of cool about this conversation was I just happened to see uh, an article of hers that she'd written that was posted on a blog called Jesus Creed, which is uh, Scott McKnight's blog. It's, it's quite a good blog. Um, and she was guest posting on there. And I just happened to read it, and it just fits so well with the kinds of things that we talk about on this podcast that I just reached out to her and said, would you be willing to come on and talk about it? And she was, which was just so great. And um, and then she just had so much other stuff to offer. Like, she's uh, she mostly works with uh, youth, teenagers in her church. And uh, wow, like, they're, they're so fortunate to have her there. Um, Leading that way, uh, we also talk about, uh, I think she's still finishing up her Master of Divinity, um, and she's a mom. So like, she has a great perspective. So this is a, a great conversation. Um, the main thing we talk about, and this is what the article was about, and there's a, a link to the article and a couple of other articles she's written as well on the show notes. Um, the main thing we talk about is what happens when we don't feel it in our spiritual life. So sort of this idea that maybe we uh, put feelings as sort of this high thing um, or almost uh, we almost idolize feelings rather than uh, putting God as first we put sort of the feeling of God first, which is kind of an interesting uh, line that we kind of talk about. So we get into that in the interview. So that's sort of the main thing. But she also talks about a whole bunch of stuff. We talk about Julian of Norwich at one point and um, and sort of uh, what suffering and spirituality might have to do with one another. Uh, and she just talks about a few great uh, sources and resources that just kind of come up in the course of the conversation. So it's probably worth as well, if you're listening to this on uh, iTunes or um, or some other podcatcher, then uh, it, it might be worth going to the website um, and just looking at the show notes to see the links of some of the things that we talk about on this episode. Um, so you could just head over to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com slash Kelly, uh, so K-E-L-L-Y, and uh, and you can find the show notes there. Um, I also wanted to give sort of personal updates sometimes, and sometimes I hesitate to do this, but I listen to a couple of podcasts where the hosts give personal updates, and I kind of like them um, because it uh, helps me sort of feel connected to the people that I'm listening to. Um, if you don't like the, the personal updates, feel free to just skip ahead. There's those nice skip buttons on uh, podcast things um, that you can go ahead and you can just get straight to the interview if that's what you're looking for. Um, but I thought maybe I'd give you sort of a, a bit of a personal update as well. And um, 
So the main thing that I wanted to mention today is that I've uh, started finally uh, editing my next book. So I think the rough draft is done, but I'm sort of going through it to make sure. I'm sure there's bits and pieces that I need to write and lot, and there'll be lots of rewrites. But I've started editing my next book, um, which is called Let God Send. Um, and if you're familiar with the, the podcast or my website, um, you might have seen Let God Be God and Let God Be Present. And this is kind of the third in that series. They don't have to be read in order. They're, they're self-contained books. Um, but Let God Send will be the next one. And this one is um, all about the idea that God sends us out. Um, and I really believe that's for everyone, that God sends those who are following Jesus, those who are his people, uh, sends us out to serve uh, in his name. And um, I think in a lot of ways, this is, to me, part of the heart of the Christian faith, um, is not just about learning or uh, things like that, or what we would maybe normally think of as spiritual practices. And we've had people on the show before who've talked about, um, you know, giving a gift just in regular life. Uh, we had a, an episode about that. Um, or people talking about serving as a spiritual practice. And so I see these things as kind of connected. And um, Let God Send is really about the idea that we are sent ones um, and that God is ascending God, that God sends Jesus, sent Jesus into the world. Um, God sends his spirit into the world uh, to serve and uh, help people to know his love and his grace. And so uh, so this book is kind of all around that theme. And I talk about a bunch of different biblical passages. If you read my other books, you know that I usually kind of go through, uh, walk through certain biblical stories um, so this one, I spend a bunch of time talking about the Great Commission, um, which is kind of the one of those sending passages that's really important at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. But I also talk about the story of Abraham, and uh, that Abraham's story starts off with God just saying, go, and, uh, and, and then he sort of wanders uh, for quite some time. Um, so I kind of like that story because there's there's this wandering aspect to it, this sort of discovering where is it that God is really leading through all of this, and um, and so it's got this you know themes of patience built in and things like that. So um, yeah, so it, it's got a couple of those stories and some other references as well. This book is actually longer than my first two. Um, we'll see after the edits are done uh, where it ends up, but it might be. Uh, maybe double the length of uh, either let God be God or let God be present. So a uh, bit of a, uh, it's not a long book by any means because those other books are shorter. So, but it's, it's a little bit longer than what I've written so far. Um, and I don't know when it's going to be out yet. I've got to get through the edits first and, uh, and we'll see there's not a, a set release date for it. Um, but you'll be hearing from me. I will let you know when it is coming. Um, so that's kind of uh, on, uh, you know, the, on the update side of things. I also sometimes forget, and I think I never do this on the podcast, but I should really, uh, you know, remind you that I love to hear from people who are listening to the podcast, whether that's an email um, or uh, through Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. If you want to follow me on Instagram, um, I'm uh, that that might be where I'm more active than anywhere else, actually. So uh, if you want to follow me there. Uh, I think it's mdbruff, M-D-B-R-O-U-G-H is the Instagram handle. Um, and uh, I won't give you the Twitter and Facebook. You can you can find those. You could probably just go to the website and, uh, and find those there. Uh, the other thing I should also mention is that uh, if you're able to leave a review 
on iTunes. Um, this can be a little bit cumbersome because I think you have to go through the best way that I've found to do it is you've got to go through iTunes on your computer. I think you might be able to do it on your phone as well, but um, you can't really do it in the podcast app, I don't think. I've never been able to do it that way. So you have to kind of go search for the podcast on your computer in iTunes or on the iTunes website and then leave a review and a rating there. Um, and this actually makes a big difference in the long term for the podcast to be able to be visible to other people. So if you're able to do that, that is just a massive help uh, to spread the word about the podcast. So if you've been listening for a while now and you haven't really engaged with anything and just been kind of listening along, a couple of great ways to support the podcast are by leaving a rating and review on iTunes um, because that's the biggest podcast directory in the world. Um, Another good way is just think of a friend who you think would benefit from listening to the podcast and just share it with them. Just send them an email and say, hey, I've been listening to this for a while um, and I think you might enjoy this. And just those recommendations are are really valuable too. Um, And then there's another way to support as well, and that's through financial support. And I mentioned this on the podcast last week that I just set up a page on uh, Patreon, a website called Patreon. Um, and you by no means have to do this, but, um, it does cost some money to get the podcast going and I'm using some borrowed equipment and things like that. Um, so I'm hoping to try to make the podcast, uh, self-sustaining in some way right now. Most of the, uh, well, all the costs are basically coming out of my pocket to put it on. Um, and, uh, so if you're able to support financially, that makes a huge difference to me and I I was blown away this week. It was so great. Um, we got a few of the first patrons. So a huge thank you to those of you who uh, went on and have supported the podcast. And I even received um, someone sending a note and some uh, support, financial support through the mail and just said, I'm not really a techie person. So so here you go, which was just unbelievable. So that was just fantastic. Um, and I really appreciate that. Uh, so if you're interested in leaving a, a financial contribution, that's patreon.com slash Matthew Bruff. And there's a link on the show notes, um, or you can just go to patreon.com slash Matthew Bruff, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-B-R-O-U-G-H. And you will find my Patreon page and all the information there, and you can support it. Okay, enough about that. Um, thank you so much for listening and for supporting the podcast. Um, again, reach out to me. Uh, let me know how what you think about it. Uh, share the podcasts, whether it's through recommendations to friends, or you can also share on social media by going to the website and then just you know send the link out um, through Facebook or Twitter or something like that. This one is really great. So I was just thrilled to have uh, Kelly on the show, and uh, I hope you really enjoy this interview as much as I did. Today I have Kelly Edmiston on the podcast. Welcome, Kelly. It's so great to have you on. Thanks, Matt. I'm really excited to be here. I'm just wondering if you could start uh, today just by telling uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, just who you are, where you're from, and and what you do. Sure. So I am the student and family minister at a church in Sugarland, Texas. And I didn't grow up in the Houston area. I grew up in Abilene, Texas, a little bit further west, and went to Abilene Christian University. Uh, when I graduated, I moved to Cairo, Egypt. I spent three years there in ministry. And uh, during that time, met my husband, and we decided to move back to the States. 
where his job was, which was in Houston. So that's how we ended up in this area. And I got a job at um, my current church about eight years ago. We have uh, two toddler boys and a little girl on the way. And yeah, we just love our life here in Sugarland. My role at the church is overseeing ministry to sixth through 12th graders. So I work with the teenagers and we have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And you're also a, a student too, right? Yes. Like you're working on your MDiv. So I'll finish my MDiv in another semester. And that's again from ACU, Abilene Christian. Yeah. And then kind of dabble in some other writing and speaking engagements as they uh, come up. Yeah. So I, the reason we got connected was um, I read a blog post of yours on uh, Scott McKnight's blog. Actually, you were guest posting there and there, you have a few posts there. Um, but the one that I read that kind of, um, that where I just kind of stumbled upon it was called the feelings of the spiritual life. And I just, I have to say, I actually loved the post. I thought it was fantastic. Like, so we'll link to it so that people can go and read it. Um, and I loved it for a couple of reasons. One was, um, you mentioned CS Lewis in it a lot and people are writing about CS Lewis. I want to read it. Um, and, uh, but really just the subject matter of it was just, um, you know, people who maybe don't feel connected to God or don't somehow just don't feel it in their spiritual life. And you talked about kind of conversations you've had in student ministry where there's young adults or teenagers who no longer feel connected to God. Um, so I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more. It can be either things that were in that post or just sort of how do you respond to, to anyone, people, uh, but also students, um, who don't feel it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the point that I'm trying to make in the post is that I think like you're saying that too often we kind of elevate our feelings or we prioritize an emotional response in our spiritual life uh, with God to this sort of idolatrous level. Hmm. And so I want to say, you know, first that there's nothing wrong with feeling connected to God, right? I'm not saying that that's wrong or bad. There's nothing wrong with having a very emotional experience even with God. So with tears or laughter or jumping up and down, hands raised in worship, all that is okay. These are good and beautiful things. Um, And then many times people will have those experiences in a conversion moment. You know, we will describe something changed within me or I had, you know, goosebumps all over or I just couldn't stop crying. You know, for me, that was true for me when I was 15 and I first came to know the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've had many experiences with God that have been emotional or supernatural in nature. And the students I have worked with, they will share similar stories. And so, you know, maybe they're young Christians and they come to know God through an experience at summer camp and they're surrounded by their best friends and they're confessing their sin. And God just seems to break in, in this very emotional way. And then they leave camp And they continue to look for that same emotional experience. And so they want to kind of hijack the emotion of that or the feeling of that. And they want that to happen in everyday life. And so then they and we, we begin to equate God with this experience. And when it doesn't happen that way, uh, you know, back in our normal everyday life with school and stress and parents and kids and jobs, 
then that must mean one of two things. One, that that original experience with God wasn't real. It, you know, it was fabricated. Their leaders must have manipulated their emotions with the right kind of worship music and the sermons that prompted them. And it was just a cathartic release. There was nothing really spiritual in it. God wasn't in it. So they'll conclude that. Or two, they'll conclude, okay, maybe God was in that, but now I've changed. So the circumstances are different. And now I need to do all of these things to get back to that place with God. And so I I become a checklist kind of Christian. If I would do this and do this and do this, then I could feel connected to God again. So this is the question, right? How do we live in this space between these powerful experiences with God and today when we may not be feeling anything toward God? I don't have a desire even to pursue God. And so this article that you're referring to is my response to this conundrum. And I consult Lewis, who is this spiritual giant who I think translates across generations and across cultures, because I think it's important to acknowledge first in in my response is that we're not alone in this struggle. This doesn't make us bad Christians. We don't need to hide from these realities. We need to talk about them and face them together as a Christian community. And in the screw tape letters, the quote I use in the article has to do with Lewis making this point. So through these fictional characters, Lewis is saying like God actually withdraws from Christians and intends for them to not rely on what he calls the emotional sweetness of our early conversion experience, because God doesn't want our emotions to rule us. Instead, God is pleased by these prayers or these practices offered in seasons of dryness when there is no emotion, no desire. So Lewis is sort of defining this obedience in the absence of emotion as true Christian maturity. Hmm. And I think that's really hard for us because the idea that God would lead us into seasons of emotional dryness in our spiritual lives is difficult because we have idolized emotions. We have put them on this huge pedestal and we have said, that is God. That is how I experience God. Yeah. Or, or experiences, right? Like, so emotions and experiences and like, not just in, I don't think just in the spiritual realm, right? Like we just, we do that already. Like people are looking for experience based vacations and you know, what is the the next thing that we're going to experience? And I'm like, I'm a sports fan and sports is all based on that. Right. So yeah. You know, our hockey team didn't make the playoffs. So now what's the next thing? Oh, we're going to look forward to the draft. Like that's the next thing we're going to look at. And yeah. um, and you're in Texas. So you got football, mm-hmm. you know, where same kinds of things. It's always like, okay, well, what's the next thing as Absolutely. a fan or as a player or whatever that you can look forward to that you can experience. Absolutely. And we treat church wow. the same, same way. And then if church is disappointing us, and isn't delivering on the same kind of mountaintop experience we had at a retreat or a conference or whatever. Yeah. Then what do you do with that? Like, I yeah. think it's a great exploration of that. Yeah. Done a great job of that. We want it to be done. And so I think that that's huge. That first level of response is saying like, this is, you know, identifying it and yeah. helping people see they're not alone. And then second, I think the next layer is to say, okay, let's find together ways to acknowledge God and God's activity in your life today. 
And hopefully from there, we can begin to invite people to attend to the fact that God is still just as present. He's not absent. Even if we don't feel it the same way, let's acknowledge that God might be doing a new thing and still inviting them to follow. And so it it begins to be more of a spiritual direction kind of conversation, I think. Yeah, this this came up for me in a, a recent sermon. Um, I was talking about Mother Teresa, actually. Um, and I don't know if you remember when her uh, journals were published um, after her death. And there was a lot of, there was actually quite a bit of uh, consternation about them mm-hmm. um, because she talked about this very thing. So when she was young and she experienced uh, a call um, and it was a supernatural, like, meeting Jesus moment that told mm-hmm. her that she was supposed to go to India and serve the poorest of the poor. And Jesus told her to do that. She was obedient, but then most of her adult life, she described it as walking in darkness with God. Wow. And yet look at what she did. Like most people would say, you know, did people experience Christ through Mother Teresa's ministry? You know, absolutely. But was she, she just didn't have the same spiritual feelings of the presence of Christ in a supernatural kind of way that she had as a young adult that led to her call into that kind of ministry. She, she didn't have it again. Right. Throughout her entire life. And she wrote about it in her private journals. And there's a lot of debate whether those should have been published, but I actually think, I think in a lot of ways that's helpful because you know, you're not alone. Like CS Lewis, spiritual time, mother Teresa, I mean, everyone knows who she is. Um, and, uh, and she struggled with that and had a hard time with it. And mm-hmm. she wrote other things in there as well. But a lot of times in her journals, she would go back to, um, in those times of darkness, she would talk about how scripture and certain kinds of basic prayer would continue to see her through. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she would talk about how the fact that she wasn't having those experiences and experiencing darkness, she would cry out to God, why? Mm-hmm. But it never made her walk away from God. Mm-hmm. It was really powerful, I thought. Yes, absence, yeah. um, obedience in the absence of emotion. It, it's yeah. so powerful. And so we have to introduce people to these, these greats, these ideas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now you speak, it seems like, I kind of looked at some of the things that you speak about, and one of the things seems to be the spiritual life. And you kind of have hinted at that in, in what you've been talking about already. Um, but what is that really? Like, if... If it's not the feelings, um, necessarily, it can be, um, but what is the spiritual life? Yeah. So the... Or I even think, what is spirituality, since this uh-huh. is a podcast yeah. that's supposed to be about spirituality. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I like to know what other people think it is. Yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily separate... The, the term spiritual life is hard, right? Because I wouldn't separate the spiritual life from the rest of life. So for Christians, you know, for us, right, there's no sacred and secular distinction. All of life is spiritual. So the time I spend in silence and solitude with God in the morning is no more spiritual, in my opinion, than the time I spend loading the dishwasher or wiping a two-year-old snotty nose or planning games for a middle school class. I mean, I think this is, this is the conversation is that there it's, it's the spiritual life is every second of our life for those of us who 
are Christians, but this is the great struggle. So it's this compartmentalization. So how do I find God or how do I know God or how do I experience God as I'm loading the dishwasher, as I'm going to my job where I oversee a construction crew? What does God have to do with that? For my students, I have a math test on Friday and my boyfriend is, um, you know, whatever, not texting me back. What does God have to do with that? And so I think that is what is so um, exciting to me, especially about working with young people, is that we get to sort of translate all of that and help them acknowledge God's presence in all of life. But I think that that that's a lot of what I try to speak about and what I try to, with the scriptures, what I try to translate and interpret for our contemporary context. So is, is, is that the marriage between the sacred and the secular? Okay. Well, so, so how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so great. is it just reminding great, yourself, acknowledging? Great question. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think a lot of it has to do with teaching people, you know, practices. You've, you've mentioned practices a couple of times that help them tune in to what God is doing in the present moment. And we do a lot of that uh, as a community. And so last night we had our middle school class and we're, the topic that we're talking about is conflict. And so we're looking at the passage in John where Jesus is saying, you know, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. And Jesus is in the midst of this, you know, conflictual situation, right? Like his best friends have just betrayed him. He's going to the cross and he's saying, he's talking about peace. So we're talking to our middle school kids, sixth, seventh and eighth graders, about this. And so we're saying, what is a conflict or what is a stress in your life? So we're having them write that down on these cards. And then we're having them do this um, practice where we're holding these situations with God. And so we're giving them this image of hold this with God in prayer and believe that God is at work here. So like for, for younger kids, it's like, how do I make it tangible? You know, write this down, hold this up. I want you to think about God being present here with this situation, which is inevitably like, you know, your math test, your friends mad at you, whatever. And so as much as we can um, make that translation for them, I think the better. And then for, for older older people, you know, it's different things like, you know, breath prayers have been really, really meaningful for me. And I've, I've spoken about that a little bit in the midst of your life, finding a, a phrase, a word that tunes you in to God right now. Mine is I am weak, but you are strong. And so mm. I'm going home after a long day at work and I'm picking up my toddlers and I'm so tired. I can't keep my eyes open and I just want them to go away. And I'm like, I'm so tired. And that is the prayer that I'm breathing as I inhale, God, I am weak, but you are strong. And there's something spiritual and supernatural about just those moments of breathing in the presence of God. So people aren't going to notice this on the podcast, but both of us just like when you talked about it, we both did it. We both breathed in. And like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, just exhale. Yeah. About that, right? It's a, yeah, it's a yeah. simple, ancient practice, you know. Yeah. Um, Ignatius gave it to his directees to breathe in. He, he talks about the Lord's Prayer. Breathe it in, yeah, breathe yeah. out. And whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, yeah. One that I've been, that I've been using, um, that I don't, I don't necessarily think of it as breath prayer necessarily, but I, but it's a, it's sort of going to a, a phrase that I'm praying, come Holy Spirit and fill me yes. with your joy. Yes. And, um, acknowledging that joy comes from God. 
yes. and, uh, and, and that I, I need to receive it. Absolutely. Um, so I thought, you know, that's, I'd like to be more joyful. I don't know if others would like to be, so I'm going to start praying for that. <laughs> yes. Yes. And God is joy. Yeah, God yeah, is dwelling yeah. within us. And so let's access that resource from God's own self. Yeah. 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 It doesn't mean I'm happy every single day. No. <laughs> But I think, I think I might've mentioned this before, but I feel like, uh, I feel like my percentage is, is a little bit better since I've been bringing up her. Absolutely. So, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What other, what other things as well? Cause you've kind of gone to things that have been useful for you. And I actually kind of think that, that tangible things, we do that a lot in, um, uh, in youth ministry, like that happens all the time. And there's all kinds of resources that, and, and suggestions on websites you can find for how do you help young people connect. And often it's about things that they can do or construct or, you know, interact with physically. Um, and I think we forget that like adults probably need the same thing. Um, uh, so I, and you know, Jesus also, uh, knew that, um, mm-hmm. you know, he gave us sacraments. <laughs> so, um, there's tangible things to interact with. Um, but anyway, I, I, I want to get to, to what your own uh, spiritual practice looks like. Like what, what helps you, what sustains you? You mentioned breath prayer, but are there other things that, that help you stay connected to God? Yes. Yeah. So in this season of my life, I mentioned um, toddlers and um, you know, parenting young kids. And so breath prayer has been so life-giving to me. And in different seasons of the past couple of years, I guess that prayer has changed. So I said today, really just the past couple of weeks, I have a strong sense that God has given me that I am weak, you are strong prayer. So that's been really life-giving. The other one is silence. So I try to practice silence two or three times a week in the morning. I get to work a little bit earlier than my team. So it's a good time to kind of put the shade up, sit on the couch and sit and be. And I try to, um, not have an agenda for that time, but to just take 20 to 30 minutes to sit with God and not bring anything to God, but just let myself be with God. For me, uh, the reality of being fully loved and accepted by God, uh, for no other reason than just because I'm his beloved child is a message that I need constantly and continually that there's nothing that I'm doing. There's no even scripture that I'm reading or journal entry that I'm making or intercession in any intercession that's being made. It's just being with God mm-hmm. and, and knowing that God loves me and accepts me. So I will sit, I will try to be present. And then as God brings things to my mind, we will try to hold them together. And so less about like accomplish this or would you do this? But I think about it. I don't know if maybe this is a a Ruth Haley Barton image that that she gave me uh, or one of the books. Uh, She talks about clouds floating by. So that's that's the image that I, I try to access as I'm sitting in silence is like, There'll be these ideas or people or situations, and I will try to just let them float by. God sees them. I see them. And so we hold them together and let them move. And so that's kind of the image that I try to access in terms of my prayer. Right. Um, so yeah, silence has been. Has how been. do you, how, so how, 
How's it going with not getting distracted in silence? Yeah. So that's kind of the idea with the clouds, I think, is that it is easy to get distracted. I think it's like anything in terms of practice. Like I hear lots of people who say, oh, I can't, I can't do that because I'm just like, my mind's just always going like, so I can't turn it off. And so I just can't, I can't do silence and just being with God. Like I can't do that. Yeah, I think the key there is just to accept those distractions. Just receive them, you know, whatever they are, consider that your cloud. You know, like let let that let be present with that distraction, but be present in an intentional way with God. It's not about, you know, like um blocking everything out and coming to this zen place. It's about being present with these distractions, with these clouds, whatever image is helpful for you. Be present with those with God. God, do you see these? God, do you know what's going on? Oh yeah, you do. Okay, you know. What might what might you want to say? Yeah. Oh, it's nothing? Okay, let's let it pass. Oh, it's something. Let's stay here. Maybe I need to jot a note down. Maybe, you know, just being present in that moment. Yeah. It's I have another friend who will will use marbles when she talks about distractions. And so you know, something comes up about your kids or about this situation with your work. And so to represent that, she'll take a marble and put it into a bowl just to symbolically say like, God knows it's right here. It's not going anywhere, but I don't have to spend my time obsessing over it or trying to fix it right now. I can physically, you're talking about tangible. I can put it aside in this jar where God knows and God sees, and I can come back to this place of focus if that's what you're desiring. Or So have you found it as you've done that over time, have you found it easier to be able to focus? Yeah. Way easier. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's training, you know, training yeah. the mind, training the soul. Yeah. Um, Cause I found that I, I'm not doing this as much anymore, but I had a year where, um, I would, uh, when I was praying, I would have a, a notebook. My notebook was for like the, the really mundane destructing things like Mm -hmm. don't forget to do this today don't forget to pick up the milk on the way home or whatever and I would write those down and I found it was after a couple of months I didn't need the notebook anymore because those thoughts either weren't popping in or I wasn't really caring too much about whether I would remember them or not right yeah and so I sort of trained my brain to know okay I've got a little place that they could go Mm-hmm. Um, and then th- they were coming less and less, like, or just, it was, it was way easier to, to focus on God in the, in that time. Absolutely. So I think, yeah, I think we can train our brains. <laughs> absolutely can. And some people, there's actually know, research about that now, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes setting a timer can be helpful. You yeah. know, I'll get to those when my timer goes off and, yeah. and then just being patient with yourself. I'm really big on like, be patient, be gentle with yourself. If it's terrible and you don't get anything out of it okay like try again yeah like like just embrace this attitude of patience and generosity towards ourselves when it comes to things especially like silent and part of the the point of this podcast as well as with different guests coming on people get to hear a different idea you know and so you know not everything's going to work for everyone i don't think we're trying to say like okay everyone you all have to have at least 22 minutes of silence you know at least three times a week like we're not prescribing (laughs) to do this (laughs) <laughs> no, it's just finding something for you in your season of life yeah. that serves to connect your soul to God, right? Yeah. That yeah. he can speak. Yeah. So how do you stay consistent? So I, 
I struggle with consistency, yeah. <laughs> like, like everyone. I mean, for me, consistency. Can That's be, why it's a question. Right. I know. So it can be an illusion for me. You know, I, I shared before I'm in full-time ministry. I've got toddlers. I'm trying to be available to my church staff, my students, my parents, my own children, my husband. And there are many times where let's just go back to my silence example and point to my couch. Cause that's, that's where I do it. And I, that's scheduled and it's supposed to happen, but it doesn't because somebody, even though my shade is up, knocks on my door and needs something or a baby gets sick and I'm home for a week. And so then I try to go to God, um, when I'm home or in the scriptures and I fall asleep. So that kind of goes back to my, I mean, literally, I literally fall asleep. So this goes back to my comment about being patient with myself and patient with the season that God has me in. And so it's easy for me to look at my circumstances and see how limited I am. Like, how am I going to, I don't even know how I'm like actually physically going to make it work to be alone with God. And it it can be frustrating. And it's Barton, I think Ruth Haley Barton, who calls this idea loving our limits. And so instead of banging my head against those limits, like, oh, my toddlers, my work, my husband, everybody needs something all the time. Instead of hating those limits, I can embrace them. And I can believe, really believe that God has set them there. God has set those limits there. I mean, I can really believe that God has given me my children and my work and my husband for a reason. So it's okay. I can actually learn to love those limits and I can be patient with myself. I can love myself just as God is patient with me and loving. So consistency can be an illusion. I don't, I don't try to run after consistency, to be honest. I try to be present with where God has me. I try to be faithful for the times I've crafted in my schedule. And when something ruins that, which happens weekly, I try to embrace it. I mean, I try not to get grumpy about it like I used to. So this is a new yeah. season that God has me in. Love your limits. Be okay with, be not okay just be here. Be here yeah. with me. Yeah, I think grace is so important, right? Yeah, like, it's huge. Grace with yourself. God is gracious with you. Yeah. So we should be gracious with ourselves. Yeah, we got to stop um, being... Tell me who Ruth Haley Barton is. Ruth Haley Barton I'm, is Because I'm author. ignorant. Yeah, she's an author. <laughs> she's a spiritual director. She has written... Oh my goodness. Let's see... Invitation to Silence and Solitude is the book I've been referring to the most. Okay. Okay. Cause we'll put that, I'll put that in the show notes then. And, uh, so that if people want to check her out, they can. She's written a lot on the spiritual life and okay. spiritual formation, spiritual practices. Yeah. So she's someone I should have known before I started this podcast. Okay. <laughs> You're nodding. A- people can't see that there. It's an audio <laughs> podcast. <laughs> you, you'll love her writing. It's amazing. I'll just be, I'll just try to be as honest as I can on here. <laughs> Like it. Yes. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is like, you're, you're kind of a rock star, really. Like I, <laughs> like, I no, I think like I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking um, like my daughter, I have one daughter, she's seven. You've got two little boys, right? Monkeys. Yes. <laughs> Four and two and a, another baby coming. And you're talking about, you're still managing to, even sometimes find silence. (laughs) That's pretty amazing. Work Um, provide some, yeah, yeah, some break. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I would have never uh, tried to do some of the things that I'm doing now when my daughter was a toddler. And uh, um, some people know that I record this podcast in my daughter's room 
because uh, it's the quietest room in the house. And, uh, and so she's okay with that. And, uh, but you know, that would be a lot harder to do if she was two and a half years old and at home. <laughs> She's in school right now. Right. So, this is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's intense. I, that, that's really kind of what started my, my journey. And I really consider this as a new season of life with mm-hmm. God. Yeah. And what's, what brought that new season on was parenting young children. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know. And I still don't, I mean, it's, it's stumbling through, but God has been really faithful to lead and to speak to me. And so it's, it's stumbling through, but it's, yeah. it's good. Can we, can we go back to something else? I, I kind of skipped over something I wanted to ask you about. You, sure. have, you have a few other uh, posts on uh, Scott McKnight's blog. Um, in addition to the one that I read, it was kind of a series that one of the other, the other one that stood out to me was, was really about suffering, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and you again, kind of went to a, a, what I think is a pretty deep source. You went to Julian of Norwich, which is pretty ancient um, uh, thinker and theologian. Um, and I'm just curious kind of what draws you to a source like, like hers or what you might have to say about maybe even that post about, about suffering, but specifically about where you found Julian of Norwich helpful. And if people haven't yeah. heard of her, maybe you could let people know who she is. Sure. So, Julian of Norwich has been a guide to me uh, these past couple of years. And I was introduced to her through a class, you know, and some of the things that we were reading. And I think what draws me to her is just this intense passion for God. I mean, you know, in a season of life where I, you know, I'm talking a lot about not feeling connected to God, not feeling God. Um, she just doesn't, she doesn't get that. Like she, she <laughs> overfeels for God. And so that's what drew me to her is yeah. just this opposite extreme from where I have felt, you know, spiritually. And, you and know, she was so, right. She was writing when, just so like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying oh to remember my gosh. history. Third, it's a full. I feel like it's, century? I feel like it's 12th century. But, 12th century. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Okay. <laughs> and, and that's, that's bad. Right. I just finished this class. But she, I mean, almost to a weird way where you're you're kind of tripped out by some of the stuff she says. 14th century. 14th century. Yeah, Perfect. Just, just got it there. Her, her insistence. Google is helpful. Yeah, Google. Awesome. Yep. Her insistence that suffering just must be a part of her story in order for her to know God. Mm. So she is in this way that's almost uncomfortable. Yeah. So drawn to the passion of Christ that she's asking God to be able to experience the suffering that Christ experienced on the cross. And, you know, she'll, she'll describe it in this graphic detail, but this is how much she longs for union with Christ. And so that's what draws me to her is she insists on the the presence of suffering in order to live the spiritual life. Hmm. And so again, for me and for our culture, we so reject that idea. I mean, we're almost like physically, uh, you know, harmed by it. Like we don't want to suffer. We oh, want- you even saying it makes me totally uncomfortable. <laughs> like, I don't like, want, no, like, don't say this. I know. Don't talk about that. <laughs> to, to invite, not only to welcome our own suffering that will inevitably come, yeah. but to invite it. And the image I think I use in the, in the post is, is, pregnancy, which for me, you know, is an image that 
a lot of females can connect with is that we do invite that form of suffering. Most of us plan to go through that. Um, and it's because of this hope that God is growing something quite literally in us. But I think in the spiritual life, the metaphor continues to speak that in the midst of whatever suffering we're going through, trials, tribulations, that God is growing something in us and it's something beautiful and it's something full of hope and it's mm-hmm. perhaps even new life. So, well, and like Paul uses labor as a, as a metaphor as right. well for what's going, what's going on with creation itself. You know, yes. creation is groaning and laboring. These are just the beginning of the birth pangs that are coming um, and there's pain, but that means that God is birthing something new. Like that's sort of the image that Paul plays with a little bit there. Absolutely. Um, that, that there's something new that's going to take place. And, yes. and in some ways, like anytime I think about anything that's like, I, even, even things about uh, leadership or, um, you know, people who talk about, uh, you know, how to, how to start up something new from the, from the ground. It's always uh, through some, great work and struggle like the best things always cost something they always are through some kind of struggle yeah so that's maybe a slightly different way i mean you think julian of norwich she's a mystic right like so mm-hmm. she's she's she talks about these things in a in a way that we're really not used to mm-hmm. i think um, absolutely and in a, in a very kind of spiritual, spiritual way that I wouldn't like, I'm not that kind of person. So right. um, when I've read her, it's like, Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if this connects with me, but it kind of challenges me to, to really think about things in a, in a different way. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, I was kind of, I, I was interested that you, that you went there um, in talking about suffering. I just thought that was, well, it's kind of brave actually <laughs> to do that. Um, but, but also I think, I think helpful for people, um, to realize, uh, we don't always think of, uh, us trying to connect with Christ as Christ suffered. We'll, we'll do it the other way around and say, well, when we are suffering, we can know that Jesus walked a road of suffering and is in it with us. And that's really true, but we won't always necessarily think of it in the other direction. And that's something that's a challenge that I think Julian Norch gives, at least in the passages that you that you brought up in that post. So absolutely. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I've really appreciated uh, talking to you about all of this. Um, And I feel like we could probably go even longer, but maybe we'll wrap up. Um, And I'll just say thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast and sharing. Um, And, uh, and I, I love your writing. Like I know we talked about uh, before we started that, um, you're saying your thing is mainly speaking and preaching and uh, in particular with young people, but with anyone really. Um, so if anybody's happens to be listening, you Kelly could be a great speaker for you <laughs> if, uh, if you want, but you said, I'm not really much of a writer, but people go and read what she's written because it's fantastic writing. Um, and that's really what drew me in to want to talk to you was your writing. So thank you. I want to encourage you in that. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. And thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I hope you found today's episode helpful. Don't forget to check out the show notes at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. There you can sign up to get the free short guide called Six Tips to Get Consistent in Connecting with God. 
And when you do that, you'll also get the latest updates and news from the blog, plus book announcements and anything else I may be working on. So head over to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com and sign up. Thanks for listening today and take care.